Hey everyone, Happy New Year. While I am hopeful that our sound quality is overall better, we did have some technical issues that led to complete loss of recording. So there's a little few squiggly bits. Apologies. And welcome to episode 56 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, January 7th, 2021. Big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? New year, same me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. But you have you have new headphones. I have new headphones and I'm really hoping that they make all the difference in the world. Yes. Along with my new studio setup, my, my Christmas gifts from my husband was, was a a revamp of the recording studio in quotes there. Uh, He is very excited about it. So hopefully you guys are hearing a little bit of improved sound, although we won't know until I actually listen to the (laughs) recording. So who knows? I think we've we've come to acknowledge that this is for the the long haul, perhaps. Yes. So it's okay. We made a little investment in our in you, in your ears, and yeah. your listening pleasure. So Mary Mary. <laughs> All right. So it's been a month since we've chatted. So we have a lot of things to chat about. So we should probably get going. We'll have on the needles, on the easel, on the table, on the nightstand, and on the horizon, which is our resolution looking forward and back, or back and forward, I guess. Makes more sense. <laughs> Was that a little forward and back move there, Courtney? That's a swivel. <laughs> Got it. All right, Courtney's ready. Uh, so on the needles, I knit 17000 379 yards in 40 projects last year. And actually it's probably a little bit more because I don't think I put in all of my gnome yarn because I forget to weigh the project until after I've stuffed it. And so the stuffing doesn't count, but that's a lot of knitting. I did a lot of crafting and reading also the metrics. I wonder why. Hmm. You did all of your numbers straight away. Well, when I put a project in, I am, I mean, I'm a former librarian, so I like to be organized and have my, my data all set up. So when I finish a project, I put it into Ravelry, which is still safe for me, although I know not for everyone. And yeah, I put in the weight of, you know, how many yards I did. It'll calculate it for you if you put in the weight of the project and it figures out based on the yarn that you used. As long as you have the yarn in there as well, it will tell you. And then you can set it up so that uh, within a certain group, you tag projects like I tag projects FO 2020 or now FO 2021 and it'll tell you the yardage or meterage and how many projects in that group so they manage it all for you you just do have to input the data which I do so I knit a bunch of gnomes three gnomes a group of gnomes I don't it is. They're super call, cute. What do you call a group of gnomes? Uh, I don't know. They were talking about this on the podcast. They're all Imagine Landscapes designed gnomes, Sarah Shira. So there was my adventure gnome, which was the advent gnome along that I got a kit from Loopy U. That was 12 packages that came in that kit. Monica. Yes. Yeah. A group of gnomes is called the Donzi. A what? 
Donsy? Uh-huh. Okay. D-O-N-S-Y. So anyway, gnomes. So the first of my Donzi was the adventure gnome. So the kit, you got 12 packages. Four of them were yarn and eight were little other things. Um, there were a bunch of stitch markers. I think there was, there was a, a measuring tape. There was a little tag that you could sew on a hat or on your gnome. And then you got 24 days of emails from Sarah. And every other day was pattern. And the other days were, there were a couple of recipes. She told a story about the gnome you were knitting. So it was really fun, very relaxed. Dividing a gnome up into 12 sets of instructions makes for minuscule amounts of knitting each day. So I pretty much kept up with it. I think like the very last day was the 23rd and then it was Christmas Eve. So I think I actually finished him on Christmas day because there were too many other things going on, but he got done, it was cute. He'll be around next year. And he was this, his body is this big ball. He had a hat with a little pom-pom on the end. And she gave him legs this time. Usually it's just like a round shape. So he has legs with little curly toed boots, which are adorable. So cute. And then he's got his beard and, and a belt buckle. And so it was really fun. So that was the Adventure Gnome by Sarah Shira. And then I made two gnomes for gifts. One was gnome pun intended. And the other was a nice to gnome you pattern. I've made both of those previously and I can't remember which is which. So the one I made for my aunt, I had made her a 49ers gnome last year. So this year I made her a Giants gnome because she loves her San Francisco sports teams. The Giants one, it's the one where you use two strands of yarn held together. So I used white and orange and gray and black for the Giants colors. And he has the little curly twisted up hat. Um, so that was cute. And I sent that off to her. And then for my mom, I had not made one for her before. So I just did a red and green cute business and stuck that in her stocking and she appreciated it. So, you know, it's one of those things I can make another one next year or the year after that. And she can have a whole collection because I don't think Sarah is going to stop designing gnomes. <laughs> so <laughs> I will be able to keep up with that for a while, should I so choose. And it is a good way to use up scraps also. That was fun. And then I knit a cowl that was a commission. A friend of mine wanted a cowl for her sister and asked me if I would knit one. So we kind of talked about yarn choices and I went through my stash and found some choices and she picked one um, that is from Yarn Love. It's her Charlotte Bronte Erin, which I think has been discontinued in the colorway foliage, which is these pinks and light oranges and light greens. So it wouldn't really be what I would call a foliage, but it was really pretty. And then we talked about pattern choices and I sent her a couple of options, like one that was cables and one that was lace and one that was just textured. And um, so she picked out a really lacy one that has the beautiful name of an accidental cowl too, worsted and chunky by Julie Miller. And it's a basic feather and fan, but she somehow figured out a way to make it travel so that it kind of goes off at an angle. So it looks really cool. And I think her sister's in Florida, so she doesn't need a super, super warm cowl, but it's more of a fashion accessory. So it turned out really pretty. Took longer than I expected just because I kept stopping to look at it <laughs> to see how, oh, look, the stitches really are traveling. That's amazing. It's so pretty. Look at how the colors are turning out. Oh, it's so nice. That was pretty fun. And that was just a couple of hours of, of work. And I got to help out a friend and I got a nice bottle of wine out of the deal. So that was, that was good too. And then I knit the continuous cardigan shrug 
Giant Shrug Thing by Kelly White for my sister. I made one of these for myself over the summer and she saw it and kind of jokingly said, oh, you should make one for me. So I did. <laughs> I don't know that she was quite expecting that. I used Knit Picks City Tweed Heavy Worsted in the colorway Brocade, which is a dark purple, kind of a, I would say royal purple, but it's not that bright. It's a really dark deep and then it's got those tweedy bits in it so it was really pretty it was a lot of knitting because it's a it's just a big you knit a giant square of lace and then you put a border on it with the smocking stitch and then you add in a couple little sleeves so none of it is complicated it just is a lot of knitting so it took a while and I thought uh, I didn't really think I pretended to think I could knit it in like two weeks <laughs> so that she would get it before Christmas and then I realized, oh, I have other things to do, like cookie baking and wrapping other presents and, you know, feeding my family and cleaning the house and, you know, and then there's blocking of it, you know, giant, giant yarn things. So, so I dropped that off to her two days ago, which was nice. And it looks really pretty, I think. So it seems to fit. I mean, it's not like a fitted sweater, so there was much more wiggle room, but you just never know how things are going to go. So I was excited about that. And then I'm still working on my white elephant mystery knit along from Afifa and Forbidden Fiber. That was my other advent along. And fully thought through how much knitting 20 grams a day would be. It's like, it's a lot of knitting. So I got through, I don't know, the first four or five days. Uh, no, maybe more than that. I was a few days behind, but I got through maybe a week of knitting and I just couldn't keep up with it. I needed to do my sister's sweater. So then I was going to keep opening the colors because you got a different mini skein of yarn every day. There were 18 days of yarn and six days of extra gifts. So if you got behind, you could just open the gifts and I was just completely behind. And so I was just gonna keep opening the yarn. I'm like, well, then it won't be quite as much fun because the idea was that you would start knitting and then you'd pick a new color. And then if you didn't like it, you could put it back and pick another one, like a white elephant gift swap. I felt like if I just kept open all the colors, then I would just move them around and it would kind of, I would lose some of the mystery and the delight. So I put that just totally on hold. Well, I opened all the, all the gifty ones, which was really nice. That was fun. And so now I'm back to, I've, I've got three more colors to open and I pretty much was happy with how the colors turned out. I think I swapped two at one point. So I'm really close to finishing that. And I think it's going to be three squares that start at each one starts in the middle and the colors go out and then I'm going to uh, seam them together. So it'll be like a, a rectangular wrap. So I'm pretty excited about that. And, and the colors have all turned out pretty well. So that has been fun. And I'm trying to finish that because today I have yarn arriving from Neighborhood Fiber Company. She did two colorways, one in honor of Kamala Harris and one in honor of Stacey Abrams. And I got the Stacey Abrams colorway and it is supposed to arrive today. And I I just know I can knit a sweater before inauguration day. And wear it. So... <laughs> That is my goal, but I want to finish this white elephant knit along. So, so we shall see. And it's oh like, this, I have a sweater picked out. It's super simple. And I have knit with this yarn before. So I know the gauge and I know since it's just arriving, it should all actually be the same yarn <laughs> instead of my, my Atlantica disaster, which I have not, I have not even touched that in this month. So I will get back to it, but I still can't look at it. I think I need to just quick knit a sweater, get it out and reset the whole shebang. So that is what is on the needles. On the easel. Let's see. So I painted a fair bit this year, but I did not paint a fair bit in December, I guess because it's Christmas time and I was doing a million other things. However, I did paint a lot of envelopes for my 
calendars, which sold out. And I have to say thank you to so many of our podcast listeners who bought a calendar and it was great to connect with you and send one your way. And hopefully that front envelope with the red pencil arrived in pretty good condition. I painted a lot of those red pencils in December. I think I could do them near blindfolded at this point. Very worthwhile. It was a, it made me feel like some sense of achievement after the craziness of 2020 to sell the calendars and to have such a great response from people and get a lot of good feedback and, and a lot of ideas for future calendars, frankly. Um, Yeah. I, I just had, people were really generous with their comments and suggestions and I'm open to it all. I just, I really appreciate that people liked it. And it was, you know, as a first stab at a project like that for me, and it was a lot of graphic computer graphics that had to go into it. Like that was not a template. I built that 100%, every single line, every letter, every number, that was all me, which is why there are some little tiny mistakes. Which only you see. I don't know. Some people can see it, but that's okay. That's that's the hallmark of handmade, right? Sort of. So so in place of a barcode on that calendar, there's, you know, little flaws, little imperfections to let you know that it was made by yours truly. So then I like you thinking, oh, I can knit a whole sweater before Christmas on Christmas Eve, basically. I have this idea... I have a friend back in Connecticut who loves gin. (laughs) This is going to make her sound like an alcoholic, but she's not. She just really loves a good gin cocktail. I have one of those in Australia and I sent her a photo. One of the gin companies in England did like a light up Christmas bottle of gin. I was like, you need this. (laughs) She's like, I do. I don't know how to get it, but I need it. Well, that was the, so I tried to send her a gin sampler, but Connecticut, as you probably know, has a lot of the old blue laws on the books and you can't ship alcohol into Connecticut. And it's like, oh my word, basically you have to buy it and then drive it there and hand it to the person. And even that's probably against the law. (laughs) So I thought I would illustrate a whole bunch of gin bottles and make this awesome gin poster, literally Christmas Eve. And so for three nights, I was a Christmas elf in here painting gin bottles and just like lost in this sea of craft gin. And it was so fun because I love to paint packaging. And then I don't know what happened. I lost my momentum. And thankfully her birthday's at the end of January. So that means that I can, I got to regroup and finish it up and scan it in and print a big, I think I'll do like 11 by 14 print for her with, with all the craft gin bottles. So that's been going on behind the scene. Cool. Does she like gin and tonic? Yes. So there is a spice store. I can't remember if I talked about this in our gift episode, there's a spice store in Oakland and they have a couple of places in the Bay area, but they make tonic kits so you can make your own tonic water and there's a regular one and an elderflower one that you could ship if she's into like making oh yeah for sure she's totally into that 
I'm, yeah. I'm jotting it down. So That's it goes awesome. in and out of availability, but not, it doesn't take too long to, to get it. I think it's, right. they were in the, in the newspaper over, over in cool. December. So they think they sold out, but I, they've got it back in. Yeah. Well, the link will definitely be in the show notes, but I will send it to you specifically. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> that. So that was the, like the bulk of the painting that I did like leading up to Christmas and then over Christmas break a little bit. And then we had my father-in-law with us for the modified holiday, which I think people will will understand that was difficult here because it was our first holiday without two very important people in our lives. And so we did our best and the kids were great, but I, I guess I didn't really paint a lot through that. And I did a big cleanup in my art room because <laughs> this is kind of funny. I had to clean up the art room because I received a serger for Christmas. Yay! <laughs> I'm looking at it because I still haven't threaded it yet. I thought I would just start sewing, but we did have my father-in-law here. And now he's coming back this afternoon. I don't know when I'm going to thread the serger. It's a process. <laughs> to learn how to thread it. But it's also like really kind of joyful to know that I can do a lot more of what I wanna do with the sewing. Right now, what I'm doing is just in my sketchbook, making notes about what I wanna do and noting joyful things and getting through the holiday transition. And I, I hope people understand that it was maybe a little bit of a challenge. So that is what has been going on in the studio that sounds pretty pretty reasonable on the table random random food stuff <laughs> so <laughs> trying to figure out what i wanted to talk about and the order in which to organize it has been interesting all right so let's talk about the drama of christmas and christmas eve dinners which i didn't change the recipes even though it was just the four of us it's the same recipes we've been having and yet i managed to screw up two of them well oh, i, no. I rescue actually I didn't screw them up, but it took some rescuing. Forgot to buy corn for the corn pudding <laughs> and that... cheese for the potato gratin. It's like, uh, I mean, the only way it could have gone worse is if I had forgot the potatoes for the potato gratin. So there was that. But luckily I had some frozen corn. So I used that. It was a little, little sketchy looking, but it worked. And I had, I always have many amounts of cheese floating around in the, the deli drawer. So so that was rescued. But then the corn pudding thing. So Christmas Eve at my house for the past several years has been a lobster fest for, it has become my family, my parents, my sister and her family, and usually Simon's brother and some of his kids and their partners. We have lobsters, corn pudding. So usually a ton of people. So I make it in a nine. Yes. Only two of you will eat the lobster though, right? Correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's even more ridiculous this year. So I got <laughs> I bought three lobsters. So Declan had two. I had one. Boy two usually has French bread pizza because we started doing this when they were pretty small. And I don't know. That's one of the things that I just never buy. So like Christmas Eve. And then my nephews don't like lobster either. So French bread pizza. The store did not have French bread pizza. So I bought him a stromboli, which he's Ooh. like, ah, it's pretty. So he, he thought that was a perfectly. We love stromboli. Yeah. So that was good. And then, yes, husband had... Uh, baked sweet potato with some uh, fake chorizo and what else did I put in there? Lime crema. I don't know. Like it was ridiculous. I was making 15 different things. So the two of us that actually had the real Christmas Eve menu, boy one and I, we had our lobsters, corn pudding, 
normally everybody can eat the corn pudding. Corn pudding for 13, I do in a nine by 11 pan. Well, there weren't that many of us, obviously. So I was like, oh, I'll cut it in half, make it in an eight by eight. It'll be fine. So I'm cooking away and I'm like, wow. And I'm cutting the recipe in half. This looks really small. And then I noticed that the recipe actually makes four servings and you put it in an eight by eight pan. So I have been doubling it all these years, which I did not realize. And I have now just cut it like into a quarter of the amount that I normally serve. I was like, ah, so luckily I still had, I mean, it was, you know, it's a corn pudding. So throw in some more milk, add another egg. It was all good, but almost a complete disaster, but it all worked out well in the end. I did think that was pretty funny though. Absolutely. Yeah. So then things that I really like that weren't for the holidays, Dinner Love Story published this artichoke sauce that she got from uh, like Whole Food, not not the company, but a concept cookbook that just came out that I got out of the library. And so I've been looking at it and it's basically just canned artichokes and some oil, a little bit of oil, a little bit of water and you blend it and it is amazing. And then you can serve it with vegetables. Like I've been serving it with roasted Brussels sprouts and broccoli. It's so good. <laughs> so I was very excited Love. about that. I love artichokes. Yeah, I guess if you don't like artichokes and you wouldn't like this, but it is just like pure artichoke flavor and it's a sauce. So you could do, I mean, so many things with it. I've been doing it with vegetables, but I'm sure you could put it on chicken or I don't know, whatever in a grain bowl kind of thing. Super easy. So I've been enjoying that. And from that same book, because I got the book out of the library because it's all plant-based and whole grains and blah, blah, blah. I made oh gosh, it was chickpeas and chard. It was basically like a shepherd's pie, the same concept where you have like the vegetables in the bottom layer and then instead of potatoes on top, it's a cauliflower bake. And my husband loved it. Yeah, he was like, this is one of the best things we've had in a million years, which was good. And it's one of those really simple things, but there's a lot of steps because you mm. mushroom separately, you have the chickpeas going. And part of it was that I actually cooked the chickpeas from dried. Um, oh. that, and I forgot to soak them. So the whole instant pot business took a little bit longer than it should have, but it all turned out delicious. It was just a lot of little steps. So I need to figure out a way to streamline that process because it was really good. And having the cauliflower on the top instead of potatoes is probably little bit healthier. I think there's a few more things in cauliflower than, than in white potatoes. They're probably good with sweet potatoes too. Hmm. Anyway, so that was fun. And then Smitten Kitchen has a couple of good quick holiday things. I made her garlic butter roasted mushrooms. And it was actually funny. I was talking to my friend Callie and she made them for New Year's Eve as well. And it's basically like escargot without the snails. You put enough garlic on anything, tastes for amazing. Sure. And you, you bake them in this butter, oil, garlic, parsley, lemon business. So that was delicious. And she also has a recipe on there for homemade Irish cream, like Bailey's, but homemade. So good. Who knew? Who knew? I've been making batches, shoving in the fridge, have a little bit after dinner. It's perfect like winter beverage, adult beverage. We were on a Zoom call with friends and somebody mentioned that they had made their own Irish cream. And my husband thought that was funny and like poured himself a Bailey's and was like, yeah, we don't need to go. <laughs> but I, be I bet it is a step up. I mean, everything generally. Yeah. The only thing I can't improve upon is ketchup. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. It's the only thing I've had. Yeah. I wasn't into Bailey's for, I mean, I was into Bailey's when I started drinking and then 
like this is ridiculous <laughs> and then when we were we had a hockey tournament and we were sharing a condo with another family and she had brought along a bottle and just in such something about it in the winter just having a little bit while you're by a fire it's kind of nice and then the homemade one is really quite delicious so now, I feel that I feel like port is similar for me mm. having like a little thing of port and that's why I miss book group in real life because <laughs> this is the time of year when I would pour everyone a little bit of port mm. you know towards the end of book group and or at the beginning frankly at the beginning of book group yeah. you could still do that I think yeah I think that'd be okay and then I made barbecue tofu which is and? Uh, was a New York Times recipe. It's not actually, it's a uh, barbecue in the sense of it has barbecue sauce. You press it for a long, long time. So it gets all of the moisture out and then pan fry it, stick it in a broiler pan with barbecue sauce and broil it. And it turned out really good. I think I had too much of the barbecue sauce because I was just like, oh, put it all on. I don't want this bottle sitting in my fridge. So I think it was maybe a little too much, but it was very good. But a lot of it would depend on what barbecue sauce you chose. I guess you could make your own. I was not feeling that fancy, but it was very tasty. I received a condiment cookbook for Christmas that I'm super excited to dive into. Yeah. Intriguing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's mostly most of my things. I've been doing a lot of repeat recipes just to not think as much. Good times. How about you? Similar story in that the bulk of the cooking has been repeat stuff or like big batch that we can dive in and out of for a couple days if kids will allow it. The Christmas Eve, Christmas Day was we did something similar to what we had done in years past. Like Christmas Eve, I made what felt like a thousand turkey meatballs and we did spaghetti and meatballs with garlicky garlic bread and frankly, a killer salad. My salad game has been really strong lately. That was easy. Christmas Day, we did what we normally do for Christmas for the most part. We like to do a beef tenderloin, the whole thing, roast radish cream sauce with, I normally do scalloped potatoes. We ended up just doing mashed potatoes and a giant tray of roasted Brussels sprouts stuffed with pancetta and another monster, awesome salad with artichokes and goat cheese and pear and pomegranate seeds. And like, oh, the the salads have been great with my own special, my own special dressing. And I changed it up a little bit and I'm using rice, wine, vinegar, and olive oil, a little bit of garlic, a little bit of salt, then to help emulsify it, a tiny bit of that mustard with olive oil that I got down in Pescadero. I got it before we chatted last time. And then a splash of uh, maple syrup in the dressing. Nice. So good. Really wintry and wonderful. So those were our two holiday things. We did do a cookie exchange like amongst the cousins And I spent an entire morning on Christmas Eve. I drove all around the bay, dropping off, picking up, picking up, dropping off trays of cookies. And we did like the messy sugar cookie decorated ones. Another cousin did really pretty. She has the toddlers. I have the teens. Hers were a thousand times prettier than ours. My brother-in-law did snickerdoodles. My sister-in-law did the most dense, rich, fudgy brownies. I've ever seen. Auntie Margot did a really sweet nut cookie. One of the other cousins did 
my personal favorite, which was the brown butter and toffee chocolate chip cookie. I think they were from Bon Appetit. I have the recipe for people because I feel like I should push these out into the world. They were just awesome. We appreciate um, that. Totally. We, we did a lot of chicken and that kind of thing in between the holiday. And then I did a ground turkey enchilada with a homemade enchilada sauce that came out awesome. And everybody really loved that. I taught my boys how to each make their own favorite cookie. So one of them did the traditional chocolate chip cookie and one of them wanted to try jam thumbprints. And that was really fun. And then when I was trying to send things to the family back East, pretty early in December, I saw something for this company called Eastern Standard Provisions and they make pretzels and they'll ship them anywhere. And you know, I love pretzels. So I sent some back East and I, then I sent a box here Nice. <laughs> because why not? Like I want to try them. Yeah. They're pretty great. They do a really good job. They come frozen or ready to put in the freezer and then you just thaw them or bake them fr- from frozen. It's okay. And they had lots of different shapes and sizes and, and it's been really fun to, you know, have a pretzel with a bowl of stew or have a pretzel for the army Navy game. Really fun. Yeah. I appreciate that company around Christmas time. We thought that I was going to start wrapping up Japan for my lemon latitude project and move on to another country. At the time I had asked the boys for Christmas to choose a cookbook that they might like some food from, because I don't know about you, but I feel like I cooked every single day in 2020, like repeatedly. So I just wanted to do some new things. And I was thinking that my next country for Lemon Latitude was going to be Iran. It felt crazy because geopolitically, there is always something going on from Iran. But I had a bunch of library books come in that were Iranian fiction. And I was reading that. And then for Christmas, I I received, I think it's called Perdiz, which is this beautiful Iranian cookbook. And then June, J-O-O-N, which is a Persian. They're both Persian, but I think one is particularly Iranian. So I thought that I was going to make a go of this. And when I started to do the research, I realized that not you can't really even see what an Iranian product looks like because they cannot import anything to the U.S. because of the sanctions. Hmm. And so I kept running into these kind of information walls where I wasn't able to find the stuff that I would normally find for a country. This is not to say that I have abandoned Iran for Lemon Latitude, but I think it's going to take me a lot longer to source things. And I have some friends who can help with that, but it's just going to take longer. So I've sort of sidelined that for now because I'm information gathering and I I have a process for this and instead have shifted because a lot of this is coming from the library. Like what comes in from the library is really the only thing that I can get my hands on right now. And I got a piece of Russian fiction Mm. and 
read that and devoured it and then was talking to a friend who's talking about the Queen's Gambit and how and the Russian chess world and so now I think I might do Russia as the next project when I finish Japan. It's so much easier to get information. And we have like 18 Russian markets here in San Francisco. And so Adam and I went to one of the Russian markets over on Geary Street. It was so fun. (laughs) It was so fun. I had never been in there. They had amazing pickled vegetables and they had- like your pickles. I love pickles. They had mind-blowingly good honey, the creamed honey that I love. And normally, I I didn't know the Russians creamed their honey like the Germans cream their honey pretty often too. I love creamed honey. It I was reading about it. It's like it's basically just honey that's whipped, but it breaks down the crystals so that it's just always this creamy, spreadable consistency. But I think it's a little bit less sweet. We had so much fun. They had caviar, which we didn't get. They had like this giant, ugly, frozen sturgeon that was just like in this cryovac package that we were so perplexed. This is all to say... I hope that I can find a Persian market that I can go into and do this for Iran. And it just made me realize there's so much I don't know. There's so much I don't know. And I love that feeling. I I can't articulate it strongly enough. I just love that, that feeling of discomfort of discovery. And it just, it's really fun for me. And it, it brought me a lot of joy to, to go to the Russian market. I have to show you this little package that I'm going to draw. Is it backwards for you? Is it backwards? Okay. So these are, I don't know it's in Russian, so it's kind of hard to tell. Exactly. There's not one, I can't read a single word anywhere on this package. I think they're strawberry cookies. And I am so excited to paint the package and then open it and see what the heck is inside. (laughs) You could use um, Google Translate. I could. I would need it. You just hold up. Oh, can you do it on your phone? I don't know. On my phone, I could hold it up to the lens and it will translate. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. That almost, that's cheating. (laughs) It's helpful. Like I've done it. I've done it with books where there'll be a line of something. Um, and yeah. I can just hold it up and it'll translate it right on the page. Okay. I'm going to try that. Anyway, that is where the kitchen has been. We did buy some pierogies from the, um, from the Russian grocery store. And I did a sour cream and chive sauce with them and just pan fried them at t- to finish them. And my kids declared it, you know, the best thing ever. Nice. Fro- frozen. <laughs> Russian pierogies. So I'm sure it was the sauce. I'm sure it was the sauce. I am just really delighted to, to continue the lemon latitude project because it does cross over into like so many facets of my life and it, it makes everything a little more joyful. Yeah. Well, that sounds exciting. All right. On the nightstand. Yeah. I read a few books. Okay. I talked about these books last time so that I wouldn't talk about them this time, but I have to talk about them anyway. City We Became by N.K. Jemisin. So good. I blew through it. It was amazing the whole way through. Is that, 
Is that her newest one? That's her most recent one. It came out maybe during the summer. And I actually oh. bought it just because I didn't want to wait on the library to get it to me. Yeah. And I love her stuff. So I figured it's fine. I'll keep it. Um, this is the one where New York has just become alive, as cities do when they reach a certain point in their development. But the Avatar has had to battle this bad person and so is in hiding and recovery. Meanwhile, the Avatars of the Five Burrows are now also alive, so they have to find each other and find the main city Avatar and save the city. And it's it's fantastic. And it's the beginning of a series, so it doesn't necessarily feel like the beginning of a series. So you get to the end and you you are okay with it ending and you can see where it's going to go, but it doesn't, the whole thing doesn't feel like just a setup. So there are things going to happen, but fabulous book. I think I gave it five stars and I don't usually do that with books. I know. Wow. I, just love, I, I was so happy with this whole thing. And then Empire of Gold by S.A. Chakraborty, which was my 28 hour audio, which was just way too long. It was fine. She did a good job of wrapping the trilogy up and it's fine, but this is the one. I texted Courtney. So I'm listening. So I'm listening to this book. This is this is important. And they were talking, describing one of the characters and like, blah, 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 the haughty prince. And I was like, that's sort of an odd way to describe someone that looks attractive in this sort of medieval, you know, dragon kind of book. It's like, but okay, whatever. And then they said it again. I was like, that's just so odd. Why do they keep calling him a hottie? And then I finally realized it was not H-O-T-T-I-E, it was H-A-U-G-H-T-Y, which makes a little more sense, but is much less interesting. So I had to text Courtney and she laughed at me. Which book she was should. that? This was The Empire of Gold by S.A. Oh, Jean-Claude right, Lord, right, right. Which is the Lost Princess, Genies, Magical Cities, Empires, Rising and Falling. It was For 28 hours. That's just the third book. There were two books before that, yes. They were not that long. They were more like 12 hours each, I think. I think I read yeah. the first one and then I listened to the next two because I just figured I was never going to get around to reading them. So I listened to them. But 28 hours is just a really long time, especially from the library where you only have three weeks and then it goes away. So that was difficult, but I did it. And then I listened to two other books. I listened to Ask Again, Yes by Mary Beth Keene, which Courtney loved last time. And it was a really great audiobook. I agree. This is the one with the two families. The dads are both New York City cops. They end up living next to each other in the suburbs and things happen. It is so, I, it is a really worthwhile audiobook. I yeah, think it'd be a I, great, great reading too, but I just love that narrator. I think she's, yeah, it was really particularly, well done. yeah. And I liked the book. It never went where I expected. Like things would happen to be like, oh, this is what's going to happen. Like, nope, that's not what's going to happen. And then it, it kept doing that. And it's a long, it's a, it's a long time period, like from the late sixties to now, basically. So yeah, it's, I think so. You know, years, generations in this two families and all the things that happened and very emotional, but yeah, definitely a worthwhile read. And then Good Night Beautiful by Amy Malloy, which I didn't love, but that's me. I picked this up because I heard that it was really good on audio. And while the readers were really good, they made some choices that annoyed me. <laughs> so I think I actually would have liked this more if I read it, but it is, it's, it's a thriller. Uh, Sam and Annie have just gotten married and moved to upstate New York to his hometown to be with his, to be near his mother who has, who has dementia and is been moved into a, a home so they're getting used to life in the town and then there's a big storm and sam doesn't come home that night he's gone off to work and doesn't come home 
Um, and it's kind of what happened to Sam. And it's a thriller. So it's like, maybe it was Annie, maybe it was somebody else. You don't know. So it was definitely a thriller if you like that kind of suspense with unexpected plot twists and possibly unreliable narrators, uh, then that would be a good choice for you. And I kind of group of books and I'm going to try and go through pretty quickly. They were not my highlights, but they were, I think, worth mentioning. So Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, which I read for book group. It was a very interesting discussion. Most of us, if not all of us, had read it like in high school or college. And so it was a reread. And we are all amazed at how annoying we found Dr. Frankenstein at this point. Because <laughs> you're reading it and you realize he's 25 years old and he's created this monster. And then just completely denies any responsibility for it. And we're like, what is wrong with you, dude? Get your act together. <laughs> um, so it was a really good discussion. And it's not a very long book. And then Wild Winter Swan by Gregory Maguire. This is his most recent book. He wrote Wicked. The, um, that the musical is based mm -hmm. on. One of the most interesting parts about this book is that it was based on a comment to the author by P.L. Travers right before she died. And that's who oh. wrote Mary Poppins. So it's based on the 12 Swans fairy tale, I think, which is a, a Grimm's fairy tale. The story, it felt like it never really quite had a purpose. Like the purpose was, oh, P.L. Travers did a comment and I decided to write a story and it never quite gelled for me. Laura is 16. She lives in New York City in the, must be early 60s because Kennedy is president um, with her grandparents. And she's having a hard time for various reasons, just gotten kicked out of her school and her grandparents are going to send her to boarding school in Canada after a break. And she's asleep and she hears a noise on the roof and goes up and there's a boy on the roof and one of his arms is a swan arm. And so she brings him in and it kind of goes on from there. Various things happen. I have, so, I'm going to date myself slightly and say, I have a vision of Bjork. Yes. 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 So yeah, similar to that, except a boy on her roof. With an arm With of an a arm. swan. Yeah. So okay. things happen. Yeah. I, and uh, Parts of it were really good. And a lot of it was just like, but if you like his other books, then it's might be worth a read. It's not terribly long. And and the, and the time period was interesting too. I, I feel like there's not, or at least I haven't read a ton of books set right then. So it was interesting. That part was interesting. And then Midnight Library by Matt Haig, which I've seen, yeah, I, it's gotten a lot of press. Trigger warning for depression and suicide. Like the uh, whole setup. Really? Yeah. The whole setup is a woman who is not happy with her life. It has not gone the way she's wanted. And she is trying to kill herself, but instead she ends up in this Midnight Library, which is a library of all the possible lives she could have led if she had made a different decision at any point. It could be like, I didn't walk the dog at two o'clock. I did it at three o'clock or, you know, something really enormous. Like I didn't marry this guy or I married this guy. And then once you find the life that you are happy in, you will stay there is, is the theory. So it's a sliding doors kind of book, which I usually like, but I felt like it was treating the whole depression reality a little bit not flippantly, but not as seriously as, as maybe it, it could be treated. So is this, did you listen to it on audio or were you reading it? No, I read it. Hey, okay. Yeah. In an actual book book, it was one of my things from the library. So that was, that part was exciting. So, um, yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, like it was, it, the, yeah. If the sliding door part, I really love that concept and seeing, you know, how things change and what doesn't change and, but uh, and then I just finished Girl, Serpent, Thorn by Melissa Barchardust, which is a fairy tale kind of book. 
it's not a direct retelling of anything. There's a princess in the castle and she has been kept hidden away because she has been cursed and her skin is poisonous. So anybody, any living thing except plants, touch her, she will die. Um, and she is kind of tired of being locked up in the castle and decides to take matters into her own hands and does not go exactly as planned. So this was kind of cool because it takes place, actually it's kind of Persian, I forget what the town is, but medieval and there's monsters and that kind of fantasy part of it, but not like Western fantasy, more their traditions. So that was, that part was interesting. And then I read two romance books, Crazy Stupid Bromance by Lissa K. Adams, which is the third in her Bromance Book Club series. Although this one has less of the the book club aspect, I think she's eh, finding that hard to, to keep going, but it's still a cute concept. Alexis and Noah are best friends, and they're both totally interested in taking it to the next level, but they don't want to ruin their friendship. So even though all of their friends are saying, oh, he's totally into you, she's totally into you, you should go for it. They're like, no, 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 we don't want to ruin it. So you know, things happen, there's side notes, and obviously it all works out in the end because it's a romance. So that one is still cute. And then I read The Duchess War by Courtney Milan, which is a, shockingly, first in a series. <laughs> there's a duke, there's a lady. What is their issue? I don't even remember now. <laughs> they get together. Oh, she was involved in a big scandal when she was 12. And so she is living under an assumed name. And uh, the police chief in the town is trying to expose her and blame her for some, this takes place in the 1850s in England. So there's been some pamphlets going around encouraging the workers to unionize. And so the police chief thinks he's, she's doing it. It turns out it's the Duke who hated his father. So now he wants to abolish hereditary rights um, and get the workers to unionize. And so they, they meet up in troubles because people don't talk to each other and eventually it all works out. And then... The books that I loved, Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab. So good. I'm glad. I'm so glad you good. liked it. Yeah. This is the one Addie LaRue in the 1600s in France makes a deal with the darkness to escape her old life. But the trick is that nobody can remember her. So as soon as she's out of sight, she is out of mind, which makes it really hard to rent a room or buy things or order a meal. And so the story picks up modern times in New York City. And so you get her backstory and things that are happening right now. It was just beautiful and original and I loved it. And you should probably go read it. And then A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. Her previous two books I've read and they were retellings of fairy tales and they were fantastic. So I just immediately put this one on the list. And her style is very much the same. There's a awesome heroine and kind of dark magic going on but this one is more modern it's a world in which there are magicians and monsters and the monsters like to kill the magicians for their power and the best time to do this is when magicians are in teenagers because they have all this great new power coming into them but they don't have any training and so they're easier to kill so to combat this magicians have built a school to kind of protect their children while they're learning and the kids get beamed in there as freshmen and they do not leave for four years until they graduate. And that is if they don't get killed by the monsters that have managed to sneak in. So you have to form alliances and learn all those things. So our heroine is Galadriel and she's a junior now. She's made it through three years. And the problem is her specialty is mass destruction, basically. So it makes her a little cranky and it's not very useful in a school setting because you don't want to kill everyone. So her plan is to kind of figure out a way 
to let people know she's strong without actually telling them what she can do. And so she could have an alliance and survive to graduation. But the other problem is that there's this guy in her class whose specialty is battle magic. So he's spent the past three years killing all the creatures that he can and saving people left and right. So everyone thinks he's the best, but now he has saved her. So people are going to think she's weak. She's really frustrated. So she's decided probably she's going to have to kill him. And it goes on from there. I adored this book. It's kind of Harry Potter meets Hunger Games meets Rick Riordan's snarkiness and sass. And then I got to the end and the last sentence is the best cliffhanger. And I'm so annoyed that I have to wait until July till the book two comes out. I tried to get boy two to read it. He found the heroine too annoying, which she is super snarky and mean at, at the beginning, but then you, you learn why. And she's really not. I just found this so fun. So I really, I, I, I really like this one a lot too. And that's a deadly education by a Naomi Novik. Did you read some of her books or do you heard about this one? I, I have read her. I think I've read both of her other ones, the spinning, spinning silver, spinning silver. And then I forget, uh, yeah. I forget the name of the other one. Yeah. But they're both really good. Uh, and then I read the latest Tana French, the searcher, which she is back on her, on her game after the witch elm. This one takes place in Ireland, but is not part of the Dublin murders. Cal is a retired Chicago police officer was bought a little house to fix up in the Irish countryside. And this kid shows up, uh, says his brother is missing and no one's done anything about it. And will Cal help? So that's the mystery. Um, it's very ton of French, kind of not quite sure what's going on. Unreliable narrator, maybe, maybe not. Really good. And then finally, Eat a Peach by David Chang, which is a memoir by the Momofuku guy. Yes. So apparently I, I do like- adore him. Yeah. I And I really didn't know him at all, but the- the description I read of this book sounded interesting. So I was like, no, okay, I'll check it out. And I knew that you, that you liked him too. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm totally intrigued. I've been watching his mini series, his uh, documentary thingy and oh, it's really good. Yeah. Apparently I like memoirs. <laughs> so, this one does not have any recipes, but he has a whole cookbook. So you don't really need the recipes. So it's obviously about his restaurant career and how he got into it all that kind of thing. But he spends a lot of time talking about his mental health issues. Uh, he has, I guess, recently been diagnosed or told at least that he's bipolar. And so he talks about his anger with that, the way he's dealt with his employees and trying to improve. Um, he talks about racism in the industry and misogyny in the industry. So it's, it's not just his memoir. It's, it's a lot of thoughts on how to succeed in the restaurant business or, you know, dealing with mental health. So yeah, so I thought it was, it was really, really good and interesting. It felt like he was talking. I think it would probably be great on audio because it's very, very chatty. So that was Eat a Peach by David Chang. Cool. That's a, <laughs> that's a mountain of books. Good for you. Yeah. It makes me wonder what did I actually do with the past month? <laughs> <laughs> I I have five books to share. I read The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins. Oh. I liked it, but it wasn't This the is greatest. a Jane Eyre one, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So this is a modern Jane Eyre. My chief complaint about it is that it's not very visual. So I think one of the things that I love about Jane Eyre is the description of the Moors and the description of the house and her deep characterization. The characterization in The Wife Upstairs is fairly strong for our unreliable narrator, but the visual descriptions 
I think are a little bit wanting and I was ready for some significant plot twist. And I don't know that the payoff, I I had built it up bigger in my head, but perhaps you will like it. It is, it's an easy, fast sort of a romp. Then I read, and I have no idea how I found this book. It's called The Impossible Girl by Lydia Kang. It takes place in the 1860s, I think. It is bizarre. And this is like right up your alley for several (laughs) reasons. It's very well researched and it's very well written. And the author is, I believe she's a doctor. I've sent it back to the library, so I can't double check right now. And this is pretty macabre. The main character is born to a single mother and the father, I believe came, or the mother came from a really wealthy family. One of them did. Well, they think she has two hearts. So yeah, like two hearts in her her chest cavity. And at the time was like, it was like the kind of era when, you know, they were doing cabinet of curiosities. It, It takes place in New York city and some of the medical schools would do dissections or like autopsies with a viewing they'd have the public would I don't know if you paid a viewer how you got in there but so a lot of that research is true like or or a lot of that stuff that was happening at the time is true historically so she grows up she's got she thinks she has too hard her occupation because she can't really be out in the world because she will be either kidnapped or killed for like as a specimen she becomes a grave robber and so during the day she is her girl self and at as night, you do she wears uh-huh exactly so she at night she becomes her brother who is a fictitious brother you know she just does it for her own safety so that she can work and go and rob graves at night and she has like this whole get up and she has a crew and come to find out they know all along that it's that she's a girl you know she doesn't really fool anyone the story is pretty great and i enjoyed it i have no again no idea how i came across the book as i was trying to figure out like i wonder where i got this from i looked at the back and it's from lake union imprint which I had never heard of before. And when I started fishing around, it's the Amazon publishing house. Like Amazon has a 10 year old, 11 year old publishing house that has like a dozen imprints. They have a historical fiction. They have romance, sci-fi, like a dozen different. So did you buy this book or is it from the library? This is from the library. I, I have no idea how it came <laughs> through my path, but whatever. And then when I looked at the other books that are available through, I mean, they're really trying to build their legitimate own publishing house. This was the only one that sounded interesting to me personally, but for what it's worth, I don't know. That was that was as much a part of the mystery as the book. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Then, then I read City of Thieves by David Benioff. Oh, and people yeah. will recognize his name because he is a screenwriter and had a lot to do. He's done tons of work, but notably Game of Thrones screenwriting. This book is a slim novel that takes place during World War II during the Siege of Leningrad. The opening 
is so compelling that it makes you want to devour the book. And I think I, I read it New Year's Eve and I read the whole thing in like five hours, I think. Wow. I haven't done that in forever. So does this count for um Lemon This Latitude? counts for Russia. Uh-huh. And it is so Russian in its wartime absurdity. I, I don't want to tell the beginning of it, although I do. And I, uh, anyway, the main character, he and, a, and another soldier are either going to die it's during now, the siege, or right? they must, yeah, or they must go and find and secure a dozen eggs for their commanding officer. And if they don't, then they'll die later, you know? So they have this impossible choice. And the absurdity of trying to find a dozen eggs during war-torn World War II in starving, freezing cold Russia where everybody's eating a chicken. If And then they, when they get a chicken, it's a rooster. <laughs> they think they're going to like wait for it to lay eggs. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievably good. Loved this book. Highly recommend. Yeah, that's been on my so, list for a while. Yeah, really, really good. We might even. And then, it. yeah, I borrowed it from a friend. Definitely read the first five pages. Oh, okay. I don't want to spoil it at all. I don't want to even say a word. Okay. Then I read The Silent Companions by Laura Purcell, which seems like another Monica <laughs> treasure. It's super gothic, very mysterious, mm. kind of a psychological thriller. It's got some split time happening. It takes place in this really weird old family house in Britain. You enter in the 1800s or something like that. And the main character is committed to an insane asylum because she's gone crazy in the house and she has all of these injuries and she can't remember why. And this doctor is trying to coax out of her what happened, you know, He's, he's not satisfied that she's just hysterical. He wants to really know what happened. And so then she's got to go back and remember why she went crazy in this house or, or if she's not crazy and it's really haunted. And it comes down to that there are these, her husband's family had, has lived in that house for generations. And it started, all of this drama started in like the 1690s when the, the king and queen or something were going to come and visit the house. And so the wife at the time went to a weird shop and bought these decorative pieces to make the house beautiful for the king and queen who were going to come visit. And it's a lot of veneer versus humanity sort of stuff. The items that she buys are these weird life-size paper dolls, kind of but they're made out of wood and they're called the silent companions. And they're, they've done like uh, the Up trick life. of the eye. Yeah. So when you're standing in a room, they've paint, they've been painted. So it feels like they're following you through the room. Oh, lovely. Yeah. It's super <laughs> creepy. And the, the set, the salesman is like the queen will love this, you know, you'll be the hit. And so the woman who's kind of vapid thinks that this is going to just make her husband. It's going to vault them into court life. And <laughs> I'm guessing not. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they have a daughter who is rather touched and she's mute. And so they are hesitant to let her be a part of the festivities with the queen. And this nine-year-old girl is really angry about it. And as Monica would say, shenanigans ensue. For 400 years, shenanigans are ensuing. Oh so. well, yeah, like 300. 
200 starts and then it's like 18 something. I don't know. The whole place is haunted basically. Oh, good to know. And it's to figure out 200 years later, how is it still affecting the house? And it's just creepy. It sounds creepy. Wonderfully creepy, but it's a quick read. And that's where I left off. I'm, I'm reading right now this book called Little Weirds, speaking of, um, by Jenny Slate, which is kind of autobiographical prose poems. It's been kind of a nice segue out of the like mysterious psychological thriller into something else. I don't know what's next, but <laughs> that's been the reading here. Oh, all right. On the horizon. So last year, my knitting goals were charity knitting, which I did a pretty good job. I think I got nine hats done and half of them or six of them sent out. And then I was waiting to get a few more before sending the rest of them out. But she's had to shut down because she is having a hard time finding places that will take hats. Not surprisingly. So she's asking people to hold off sending them because she cannot store them all (laughs) in her apartment. So that's fine. So I, I, and actually that is one that I want to continue doing. If she is able to restart, then I'll keep donating to her because I like, I like the youth aspect of it, but otherwise I'll find something else. I'm sure there's, there's other places that will take knits and then using stash leftovers, which I did uh, in my hats. I did uh, most of my hat knitting was uh, certainly the charity hat knitting was from stash leftovers. So I feel good about that. And that is also kind of part of a goal for this year. I do want to keep using up the uh, the leftovers, but also I have a bunch of works in progress that are hibernating that I kind of want to get those under control. Like I have, you know, half a sock or sock and a half and like, I just haven't done it. Or I have three quarters of a sweater that I haven't done. Figuring no, out I don't know going. anything about that. No, <laughs> but you have one and I probably have 20. So okay, fair not, enough. not sweaters, but various projects or shawls that were all about the process of knitting. And so they have like 50,000 ends to weave in and I haven't done it. So they're just sitting there, not bringing me joy because I need to weave the ends. So kind of getting that all under control and figuring out, okay, am I going to finish this project or can I undo it, repurpose the yarn so it can live its best life? So that is that one. And then, so my other, my third goal for last year was starting the Ravelry group, which I did start. Uh, My actual continuing of it has been dicey. (laughs) I keep forgetting to go in and start an episode thread, but it is there. So if you want to come over there and chat, please do. And I also kind of want to be more purposeful about my gift knitting. I usually, especially in December, kind of decide, yes, I'm going to knit for everybody. And then December is just a mad dash which I'm not upset about I that's that was kind of how I wrote papers in college was waiting to the last minute I don't know if it makes my writing or my knitting better but that is how I operate generally I need a uh, an actual deadline but I do want to at least be more purposeful about that and maybe try and, and get some things done throughout the year and so maybe I can have like more you know birthday socks for people and hats and whatnot so so a little bit more of a, I'm feeling an organizational thing going on, <laughs> which I like not, it. Not surprising, given that I spend all this time in the house looking at all my projects, and my husband is also spending a lot of time in the house looking at all my projects. So, <laughs> so there's that. So those are my goals. More sweaters. I did. I think I only knit four sweaters this year. So, mm. back on that. How about you? Well, for knitting and sewing, I am working on a doable make nine grid, you know, just to get myself started and organized. And I think that 
it's not unreasonable to want to do one sweater and I can't, I'm sort of torn between two cardigans right now. And then I love that in the fade shawl by Andrea Mowry. Uh But when I was buying yarn for it, the woman at the stores, or when I was attempting to buy yarn for it, the woman said, it's not really a true fade. And it is like a ton of yarn and you don't use it all. So I might find another shawl that, I mean, the the reason why I love it is it's yellow and it has pom-poms. I can put pom-poms or um, tassels on anything. Yeah. And and, make it yellow. And make it yellow. So I think that I really need to look at the stitches a little bit and decide, you know, I don't necessarily want to do all garter like I did with the other Mm -hmm. one. Although I love that scarf. The only thing I don't love about it is the the edge that you, the, the cast on edge. Mm. Um, it just, it's a little sharp or like it's mm. tight, you know? So, so you want it more stretchy. Yeah. And you could also do a fade on anything. Right. Pretty much. So, right. I guess I, I need to trust. I mean, I'm really happy with how that one, my one knit came out. And I think that it carries over into the sewing too. As long as I love the fabric or love the fiber, I'm going to love and make the make work. Mm. And so I'm just committed to, I made that cardigan out of thrifted wool and I was so happy to do it, but it's, it's already pilling. So now I won't wear it. It was definitely a good learning experience, but I think I can be, I can be more choosy about the fabric And then I'll get more wear out of it too. So that is my goal for sewing and knitting. In all, you know, when I look back on last year's goals, I had a list of like 16 things that I wanted to do. And I wanted to do all of these countries from Lemon Latitude, all of these different illustrations. And I wanted to do like a zine about gouache and a chapbook about creativity and set up my website. and, And then 2020 happened. And, and it wasn't just you know, pandemic and homeschooling, but it was also losing family members and being an emotional person in this bananas year. So instead of making another list of 78 things that I want to do, I'm being a little more generous with myself and having more of an aerial goal for the easel. Like I want to work on some new art techniques like dry media. And by that, I mean, colored pencil, watercolor pencil, pastel, oil pastel. And those are materials that I own that I haven't really worked with a ton. And I think I will explore that in my sketchbook for the 100 day project or something like that and just share it on stories on Instagram. No big formal happening. I did do maybe 60 or 65 days of the 100 day past year were great and it was joyful things and I'm I still feel myself searching that out in in general because I still need to search for joy. Lemon Latitude is a huge piece of the work that I'm doing right now because it is so much fun to reach other countries, read from other countries, to go to those those import markets is really fun and source new 
flavors and keep things fresh for us. And it's, I guess my only struggle with that is that I didn't do as much as I had hoped last year. So I'm just going to try to, to keep moving forward with that in a way that keeps me engaged and, and not let the hundred day project take over lemon latitude. I, I just want it to be more a part of my, my process. So I'm not making a big to-do list. I'm just saying I want to explore more dry media. Well, I will say you may have a big list there, but last year on the podcast, all you said was lemon latitude. It's the only note I had. So I think you met your goal. Wonderful. I love it. Well done. Thank well done. you. You did it. Uh, okay. On the table last year, my goal was to use my instant pot which I did. I think I've, I've used it less recently, although I have definitely been using it for making polenta and for beans and chickpeas mostly. So I'm going to say that I met that goal. I feel like I, I did. I still, I need, I should probably get back into it a little bit. I think my cooking has changed in some ways. So it's was a little bit harder. I think I've embraced the vegetarianism more on our weekly tables. So it's, it's a little bit harder to find recipes that I want to use. And then there was, there was like a chicken recipe that I made that was an Instapot one, but it involved all this sauteing. And it was basically going to take as long to do it on the stove as it was in the Instapot. So, so that is still a work in progress, but I still feel like I did actually use it. I also feel like I had a bonus win because this was not a goal because why would it have been? But I have been using dried beans and like embracing the bean lifestyle. So I feel pretty good about that one as well. I'm gonna count that as an extra. I'll say. So you never, it's like, you don't really know what's going to happen with your goals, especially in these times. Um, but yeah. I do want to try and explore more grains, which I've, I've, I've done, you know, in the past. And there are some that we can't do because they aren't gluten-free, but, you know, trying different ways of using something, maybe like new things with quinoa or something, um, instead of just always throwing it into a pot and serving it up more ways to, to use them. Um, yeah, so I made kasha last night, which I haven't done in a while. So that, that's, that's a start. So, um, and then just in general, simplifying or maybe simplifying during the week and saving the weekend for more complicated things, kind of like the knitting, because <laughs> kind yeah. of getting control of things and not, not feeling like I always have to do something new or, or, you know, something complicated. We'll see how that goes, but yeah, but I, you know, overall I feel you're like happy I, with your, yeah. And, and the things that I have tried in the past, like I, I've just, I think I realized like I, do, I, I don't really do batch cooking. Like that's not how I, that's not how I cook. I would like to maybe have a little more, a little better planning for better options. Like we had, a, we had one night where I really didn't have anything planned, but I realized I had half a cauliflower and two potatoes. So I like mashed them all up together with some leftover béarnaise sauce, which was pretty delicious. And then I had a pork tenderloin in the freezer and I had, you know, so I was pulling things in. I had a little bit of frozen spinach. So I made some cream spinach. So it wasn't a terribly healthy meal, but it was pretty tasty. And I just was able to pull it all together. So having enough things around that I can pull something together because sometimes planning is exhausting, even yes. though that is, that is generally how I operate best. And I embracing that, but. Yeah, for sure. Because I feel like, like I said before, we have cooked every day this year. Pretty <laughs> it's, much. It's a lot. Yeah. All right. How about you? I am continuing 
with absolute zero shame of stretching limb and latitude forward to help shape my cooking and eating life and supporting these local markets that I forgot we had. Like I don't have to go to Whole Foods and Trader Joe's and Costco. I can use these other markets. They have a lot to offer. And they're very exciting for me. I love the one in Japantown, the Nijia, Nijaya, um, one in Japantown. And I love these new Russian ones that I've found. And, and I know there are lots more. I love the Spanish table that's on like Clement Street, I guess. So I think that will bring me a lot of joy going forward. And, and it's like, I totally don't feel guilty bending grocery money. <laughs> it's just different. It's just a different grocery store in a way, you know, and trying new ingredients yep. and having it be, it's just, it's just a little exciting. And then my two tiny goals for this year, maybe it's three. I got a new pie book for Christmas, which I wish that we could bake our way through, but it's like, it's not for the gluten-free folks. I'm so sorry, but there are like 15 different pie dough recipes in there that have me so excited. Oh, and there's not a gluten-free one. There is a gluten-free one, but it's like made out of gluten-free flour. Um, Oh, I have gluten-free flour. Okay. I'll, I'll take a look at it and see. So many great different pie crust variations that is something I haven't really explored outside Mm. of like graham cracker crumb pie crust. And then, you know, when I polled the family last night about it, one kid will eat fruit pies all day long and the other kid just wants refrigerator pies and chocolate pie. (laughs) So it is kind of a seasonal endeavor, you know, Mm. like the winter pie is the the cream pies I get for like oh how long did you lose me for I'm gonna assume that we that it was it said record the whole time yeah but anyway so I am did you hear the part about me I'm fermenting rye no flour I'm doing did you make your raspberry rye cookies no I just got the rye flour the other day okay so now you're fermenting oh my god okay (laughs) well it'll be exciting when I hear about it I'm fermenting rye flour in buttermilk in my father-in-law's closet, which reminds me I should move it before he gets here because I know it's terrifying, wow. huh? What is what does that is that for the crust? It's no, it's not for pie crust. It's for oh. brown bread. Oh, okay. It's for like a Scandinavian brown bread, like a wholemeal bread hmm. that I'm really excited to try. So that's in the closet and I'm just hoping that it doesn't, it's not really warm enough in my house to do this. So I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm trying it anyway. But then I can make those cookies because I have rye flour now. I'm also going to make mustard this year, like different mustards, Mm -hmm. because I got a condiment cookbook and it's only like a few pages about mustard. So I'll probably try other things too. Oh, it's to make condiments. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I thought it was cooking with condiments. Okay. No, it's how to make, make your own condiments, which I just nice. think would be really satisfying. Yeah. And I will even attempt the ketchup. Although, Why not? Yeah, you might as well. But the mustards sound fun to me. And I love that olive oil mustard that I found. So I want to try different ones like that. Cool. And that those are my food goals 
for, I, I really hope to eat at a restaurant, like sit down and eat at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And have someone bring you food. And That'd somebody awesome. else do the dishes. Yeah. I, I really hope <laughs> that Dream happens big. this year. And we'll, we will also be doing some more cookbook cook-alongs. We have not figured yes. out when or which ones, but that will definitely be in the cards. So if you guys have any suggestions, throw it in the Instagram post for this episode or on the Ravelry group thread. I will attempt to start one. We'll still see if I remember. That'd be great. I'd love to hear what other people would recommend. So for books, well, I read 131 books last year, so I don't think I need to make read more my goal. Although somebody on Instagram that's one of our listeners, I forget who it was, had read somewhere up in there. So I am not the only one. I think it was no, the for sure. I think it was the audiobooks. Uh, it was the Modern Mrs. Darcy Reading Challenge, which I did do. I checked it over recently and I, I did. Um, so that was fun. And she's doing something different than this year. So I do want to try and find another reading challenge. There's a bunch of them out there. I saw one from Bloom and Adventures of a Spoonless Zebra someone sent to us. Um, so there's a lot of good ones out there. But I feel pretty good about my reading. So I think I want to be more thoughtful about things once I've read them. I feel like I, I I have been branching out and reading different authors that maybe I didn't know different. I mean, obviously I've just completely switched to fantasy and romance books. That's pretty much all I read. Little Sapphire, throw out a couple memoirs, different. Yeah. So I feel like I've got a good variety going. So I do want to be more thoughtful about what I'm reading and what I'm enjoying so that I can make better choices. So figuring out what it is that I want to be reading. And I'm not, it's a little bit squishy. I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to make that concrete. Maybe writing more notes on my Goodreads reviews, which I generally just put three stars and move on with my life. So that is my goal. How about you? Well, while my count is nowhere near yours, I'm about half at, I think, 62. I thought I was at 62. Which is quite a lot of books, quite frankly. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's fine with me. Like I, I'm always reading something. I think the big difference is that I am only reading at night. Mm. Like I don't really read during the day at all. I'm painting during the day. And painting is something that sometimes I can listen to an audiobook and paint. And sometimes I need it to be like quiet. <laughs> the audiobooks have definitely helped me bring more reading into my day-to-day, like my daytime life. And maybe these new headphones will make a difference. I don't know. But I'm not looking to up my number really or fine tune it at all. I'm I'm pretty happy with I read some great books this year and and I feel like I'm not gonna set any kind of goal for myself because I'm pretty reliant on the library. And I'm a paper, I don't e-read. I either, I audio listen to a small portion and then everything else is paper. And that means that I'm, I need the library or I'm buying books and I, you know, I'm mindful of the budget for, for that. Cause I would rather, I would rather wait for things to come from the library because a lot of times my kids want a book and I would rather buy a book for them because both of them will read it and they need it for longer and, or my husband will read what they're reading anyway. <laughs> like yeah. there's just so many books we can have. I definitely want to keep with my lemon latitude reading and find books that 
represent either authors or cultures, not my own, and then keep up with my book group and, and then have some, some whimsy, you know, where a book strikes my fancy and I go and read that too. And I mean, I'm taking out so many books and, uh, you know, cookbooks and sketchbooks and books about photography or lichen or bonsai trees out of the library that I don't really even fold into this count. Like this is just what I'm just my fiction, just basic reading. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm comfortable with that number and I'm happy to forge ahead with my, my unending devotion to the San Francisco public library, way um, less exciting than in years past, but I'm okay with that. Me too. So until next time, remember to do something you love every day. Thanks everyone. Bye. Oh my God. Hopefully we yeah. got that. So remember to do something you love every day. Bye. Thanks everyone. Thank. One more time. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf. That's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.